We had heard and seen some of the things this Jesus had done. At first we thought, maybe he would liberate us from the tyranny of Rome. But when things heated up, he just seemed to back down. He became more a threat to the religious system than the political one. Besides, we needed a real miracle. Not turning water into wine or helping some feeble waysider to walk again. No. We needed more. We needed a leader that would change everything. Israel needed a king that would take action and set the real captives free. Barabbas was a man of action until he killed that Roman in the uprising. And that landed us all in prison. They labeled Damas and I insurrectionists and thieves. They tried to pin as much on us as possible. So there we were, locked up in a Roman cell, and we knew what was coming to us. Crucifixion, saved only for us Jews. You know, my life has always been this way. The wrong family, the wrong friends, if you want to call them that. Always at the wrong place and at the wrong time. But not Barabbas, no. He always seemed to be at the right place and at the right time. At least I was that day. It was the week of the Passover. And if I'd have been a good Jew, I'd have been eating and drinking along with the rest of them. Hearing the same old tired story of how God had delivered them from Egypt. And how they painted the blood of the lamb over the door. And an angel of death had passed over them. So what? We were slaves to Rome now. And all is good is dead anyway. But what happened next was even harder to believe. I remember it all from my prison cell. Still thinking all three of us would hang that day. Honest the high priest, and all the other self-righteous hypocrites set it up so that Pilate would have to do their dirty work. They said, Jesus claimed to be a king. King of the Jews. So Pilate would have to do something about his competition. But Pilate didn't take the bait. He turned the tables back on them. It was brilliant. Using their own system, he washed his hands of it all. The Passover required a prisoner to go free. So there it was, the choice. Jesus or me. Oh, I felt this rush of adrenaline. Was this really happening? Pilate, put it to the crowd of good Jews. Who would die today? Pilate seemed to stun his eye when he heard them cry out, Give us Barabbas? Give us Barabbas! Pilate called out to the mob, What do you want me to do with Jesus? Over and over, they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! Oh, 
a war broke out in my gut. First, a surge of hope. I wasn't going to die. But then lightning struck my chest as I wrestled with this truth. Jesus would. I had killed a man, but he had healed many. Was he really that dangerous? Don't get me wrong. I wanted to walk and I did. But this, this was messed up. It seemed somehow wrong. In a long time ago, back when I still went to temple, I was taught and I even believed that someday a king was going to come and save us all. That all proved to be a lie. It was just propaganda. There is no justice. I mean, look at Barabbas. Why should he go scot-free? I never got a second chance. He should have hung there right between us. We were all sentenced to die for the things that we had done. He got us into this. And he should have paid. And if this Jesus really was a king, then he had to be the most impotent ruler ever. I mean, where was his power? Where was his authority? Where was justice? Jesus died right where Barabbas should have. Between me and Damas. And he didn't even say a word in his own defense. Why Pilate was even more just. How ironic. The one responsible for me hanging. Goes free. And the great pretender. He dies. And he doesn't save himself. Or anyone else. He really didn't do anything wrong. He just didn't do what we hoped he would. It should have been me on that cross. been so long oh such a long time since I've lived with peace and rest and now I'm here my destination I guess things work 
for the best And I know that my time is coming soon Who is this man, this man beside me They call the king of the Jews They don't believe that he's the Messiah But somehow I know it is true They laugh at him in mockery And they beat him till he bleeds And they nailed him to the rugged cross And they raised him Yes, they raised him up next to me Ever been disappointed with anybody in life? I mean, you ever ever wanted someone to do something and they didn't do it? Or maybe you wanted them not to do something and they did it. And so now you're disappointed. You had this expectation that they didn't meet. And it colors your relationship with them, your perception of them, and and sometimes your perception of life in general for a long period of time. This is really what we heard from the first guy that spoke here. We heard from Gestus. He said said that, you know, Jesus in his mind was going to show up on a literal basis throne to be a literal king to overthrow Rome. So he's disappointed to look beside him and see that Jesus is actually hanging here on a cross and his plan, his thoughts, his dreams, they're not going to happen. See, these guys were political insurrectionists. They were trying to bring order and, and, and restore things back to the way they were. And they were trying to overthrow this oppression from Rome for their people and This is is not working out like he thought. This king of the Jews is dying on a cross. You ever been there? Maybe it's not a cross. Maybe it's not even Jesus. But you were disappointed. You thought it should play out some way. And it doesn't play out that way. Several years ago, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. She was 46 years old. Stage 4 cancer. And we prayed and believed with all of our heart. For her to be healed. We, we got everybody we knew and a bunch of people we didn't know to pray for her and believe for her healing. In March the 2nd of 2011, she passed away. It didn't go my way. It's not my plan. It's not my dream. And so I'm left wondering, who, who is this Jesus? Who, who is God? Who is this man that supposedly has all things working together for good? How does this play out? And... It's not going my way. Barabbas is a different character. He believes the same things. He's thinking that, you know, Jesus is going to be the king of the Jews on a literal throne and be a literal king. But the problem with Barabbas is that he gets to see with his own eyes what those of us who have heard the gospel before have heard all of our lives. That Jesus would go to a cross and hang on a cross in our place. Barabbas got to literally watch that because that was, that was his cross. That's where he was headed. Except that Jesus now hung there. Because see, the question is, 
how do we reconcile the plans and the dreams and the things that we thought with the reality of our lives if it's not going that way? If we had plans, we had thoughts, we had dreams, we thought this was a job we were supposed to have and someone else got it. We thought we were happy here and working, working towards retirement and everything was going good and, until they called us in and laid us off. Someone you knew or loved like me didn't, didn't get healed the way you thought. And our plans and our dreams leave us disappointed because of unmet expectations. Or like Barabbas, we were conflicted in our heart trying to figure out, okay, I've got this past. I know I'm guilty. I know there's things back there that I'm not proud of. So how am I supposed to live now knowing that the story has changed? I I was supposed to hang there with them. See, I think for all of us, if we are focused only on these details of our lives, maybe our perspective is wrong. Maybe our focus is a little out of place there because we're only thinking about our dreams and our plans and the way we wanted it to work out and how it affects us. And I get that. I know that that's the reality of our lives because it's us and how it affects us. But it could be that our perspective is wrong. And maybe it's not about us at all. I knew I should have to die for the things we had done. But I didn't understand why Jesus did. He was different from any leader I had ever seen or heard about. Annas, Pilate, even Barabbas. What got to me was how he faced his own death. He willfully died. I saw it. He almost seemed to pursue his death. He could have answered for himself. It was unjust the way they set him up. He never protested. He never defended himself. He never broke under the mocking, our mocking. We all mocked him. Guests just called out to him why we hung there on our crosses. If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But then Jesus said it. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What little blood I had left felt like it drained from my body. My head was spinning and yet nothing had ever been clear in my entire life. He was talking to God. And he was the promised Messiah. And he could forgive even me. I was so afraid that my words would die with me. But somehow I managed to whisper, remember me. I don't even know if Damon is hurting the fool. But Jesus continued his charade on the cross. 
And he had the audacity to say, today you will be with me in paradise. Okay, it, it was strange, the, the darkness in the middle of the day and that earthquake. It made me wonder a little if there was anything after I would leave this God-forsaken place. But in the end, I just didn't care.
should have cared because when I awoke I was there with Jesus I wish there were words I could tell you about paradise there aren't it's it's beautiful beyond anything you could dream all I can tell you is how I felt one word free for the first time in my life all the pain fear Hopelessness was erased. I wasn't bound by anything. Not by anger, sadness, not even time. It was as if everything, my, my past, my regrets, things, things that haunted my thoughts, All of it was gone. But I was, I am, somehow still me. A new version of me. This, this is the freedom I've always looked for. And I know it sounds crazy, but this is the purpose and the future I never knew I needed. Paradise. What does the word paradise mean to you? I, uh, I looked it up. The, the translation here, the usage in scripture obviously is referring to heaven. But you could also define this word as Eden, a place of perfection. And dictionary.com tells us it's also a place for foreign animals to play. So if you have a foreign animal, there is paradise awaiting them. I'm not really sure. Um, that's not what we're going to be referring to today. But I don't know what your paradise is. Maybe it's a cruise. Get me out on the boat away from email and phones and stuff and kids and jobs and 
Get me out there. Maybe it's the beach. Maybe it is going up into the mountains and finding you just a quiet, secluded place. Maybe it's a golf course. Maybe it's a shopping trip. Some of you are so tired, maybe it's just a nap. (laughs) Just let me sleep for like 30 minutes. I promise. That's enough. I don't know what your paradise is. I don't know what it looks like for you. But no doubt, when Damas looked at Jesus and said, "When when you get to your kingdom, remember me. Jesus looked at him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. And, and they, were, they were dying. We're, no doubt. We're talking about heaven here. We're talking about that which is to come. But I've said this before. What, what does that look like for me and you? I believe in heaven. I'm going to heaven. I, I, I believe in that completely. But if that's all there is, if that's all I'm, if I'm just waiting around for heaven, I think I'm missing the point. I mean, I said this, I think, a few weeks ago, but I really believe this. If anything, God is efficient. So if all there was for me after getting saved was getting to heaven, I think he would have taken me right then. But he left me here. So what does that look like in the way that I live every day? What is it that I can have in paradise? How can paradise be in my life now? What does that look like in the way that I live Theologians might talk about this idea of the now but not yet theology about the kingdom of God. We've talked about the not yet part. We're talking about heaven where Damas immediately joined Jesus and joined the Father in heaven. And and we're pointed towards that. But here and now, what does paradise look like for you? I don't know. I don't know your story. For some of you, if we're talking about the kingdom of God and what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom of God, then we have to look at the king of that kingdom. We have to look at God's nature. So what is God's nature? It's it's love and it's grace and it's mercy. It's justice. So for some of you this morning, the kingdom of God fully realized in you here on earth Is the realization that even though you have been labeled as unloved and unlovable. And you wear that like a scarlet letter almost. That God loves you. Not conditionally. Not based on the fact that you did something for him to earn that love. But he just loves you. Before you could move towards him, he moved towards you. While we were yet sinners, the Bible tells us, Christ died for us on the cross. So the realization of the kingdom of God for you might look like the love of God fully understood in your life. For some of you, it may be that, you know, you kind of get God's love. You have good examples of love. And so that doesn't, that's not a big leap for you. But man, you've got some stuff you're ashamed of. Your past is, is, is ugly, and we, we, just, we talked about this just a few weeks ago, but maybe, maybe the, the kingdom of God, paradise for you, fully realized here on earth, is the understanding that, that Christ really did die for your sins. That you, even though you're attempting to go and pay the price again, the price has already been paid. And so the hope and the mercy, the forgiveness, the love that is poured out to you because of the work of the cross, that's paradise for you through the kingdom of God in your life. 
It could be a lot of other things for you. I don't know your story. But I know as we wrestle with this idea of how do I, how do I find paradise? Now, let me just give you this quick fact, okay? You accept Christ in your life. You enter into relationship. You somehow connect to the kingdom of God here on earth. Bad things may still happen to you. You may still lose your job. My mom, I just told you, but she was a believer. She passed away. It doesn't save us from bad things happening. We ask the question all the time. Why do bad things happen to good people? And you. (laughs) It's a little slower getting there. I'm going to let that one travel to the back. That didn't land at nine. Um, Why do bad things happen to good people? Because we live in a fallen world. There's sickness and disease and dying. There's sin and brokenness here. And the kingdom of God is not fully realized yet. Which means that we are to be about the reconciling work of God here on earth. Ephesians 2 tells us that there is a work that was laid out for us to do before the foundation of the world. Matthew 28, 19 tells us that we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to obey everything that he commanded of us. And he promises us that he'll go with us every step of the way to the ends of the earth. There is a work for us to do here on earth to establish the kingdom of God that is to come. But we can do that in relationship with him. We have a hope. Damus just referred to it. Freedom and hope. We don't have to be bound by the things that we don't understand. Because we understand that even if there's brokenness and sin and death and disease and dying in this world. Even if bad things happen. This is not the end. Christ went to the cross and died. And he went into a tomb. But the story didn't end there And what we can celebrate today on Easter is that we have hope. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that it was Adam's sin and us perpetuating that sin in our own time that caused all of us to be sent to death. But it was the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection that gives us hope that we don't have to die. We can live. I want you to ask yourself this question today. Some of you, this may not seem like a far-fetched question, but for some of you, this is, you can't even get your mind there. What does living really feel like? I mean, what does living with a hope for the future, knowing that God's got a plan, what does that feel like that we're going to face turmoil and strife maybe but that we know this is not the end with that hope we can live but without that hope there's nothing to live for When I was released, I was certain I'd get out of Jerusalem as fast as I could. 
But with every step I took, it felt like I was walking through drying cement. I couldn't shake this feeling that I had to see this whole thing play out. And I almost wish I didn't. The whole Jewish council and the governor had thought they had contained the problem. But as soon as Jesus died, all hell broke loose. It was pitch black and an earthquake felt like it split Golgotha. I saw a Roman captain stationed at Jesus' cross yell out, This has to be the Son of God. And then he, he dropped his spear and cried like a baby. He had to know he would die for that. Unbelievable. A Roman put his faith in Jesus while his disciples tucked tail and ran. Jerusalem came apart. I had never seen anything like it. People were gray with horror, screaming, crying. And, and some, some were just dumbstruck. I saw priests coming out of the temple, running for their lives, screaming, the veil is torn in two. Graves were open and dead bodies were alive and walking. It was as if everything exploded when he died. And to make matters worse, the Romans and the Jews had no idea what to do. The more they clamped down, the more it began to boil over. And to make matters worse, whispers started. Three days later, that his guarded tomb was empty. Oh, man. I feel like my head is going to explode. There's just one thought. One thought that keeps haunting me. It should have been me on that cross. Who was? Who is? Jesus. We've heard three stories. Gestus is defined by his disappointment and unmet expectations in God. Jesus wasn't who he thought he was supposed to be. Things didn't work out. His plan and his reality never came together. Damas accepted that Christ was who he said he was. He, he heard Christ on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Saying, into your hands I commit my spirit. He says, man, he's, he is who he, he claims to be. He accepts that message and will spend eternity... With the Father. And then there's Barabbas. Who must now figure out how to live. Knowing he's the one that should have been punished. He's the one that made the mistakes. He's the one that's guilty. What am I supposed to do now? 
You know, I heard a great statement this week as I was preparing, and it said that no one thinks they need a savior until they acknowledge that they're a sinner. And the reason that some of us this morning can just act like we're not Barabbas, we don't need a savior, is because we're not convinced we're a sinner. Three stories. Where are you? Is your life a disappointment to you in some way that God's plan for your life or the reality of your life and what you hoped and what you dreamed just don't match up? Or you've accepted Christ and now you're trying to figure out how to live, how how to live now. How How to do something that makes an eternal kingdom impact now here on earth Because we're not in paradise yet. Or are you guilty? Out of relationship with God, maybe your entire life or for a long time. Maybe it's a recent move away from God that you've made. But it's it's been very intentional. And you know that you're standing here in this spot, conflicted and torn, because it should have been you. You need a savior. Where are you? Every single person in this room today, whether this is your first time to hear the gospel message, or you've been walking with the Lord for 50 years, doesn't matter. Every one of us has to answer the same question. That's what Barabbas just asked. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? It's the question that divides all the world's religions. Because if you're going to refute the claims of Christianity, you've got to do something with Jesus. Was he the son of God? Is he a great teacher? Is he a rabbi? Who is he? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? See, I I realize where I'm standing. As I prepared today, I I have friends all over the country, really all over the world, and some of them are standing up preaching right now. And they're preaching in places where there are literally people who have never heard the gospel message. And maybe there are a few here today that that's the reality. And if so, you've just heard the gospel. Jesus came to the earth. He lived. He died on a cross for your sins. He was put into a tomb, but three days later they came back and the tomb was empty. He was alive. He revealed himself to many and then ascended to the right hand of the Father. And at some point in the future, he will return to take those that believe in him back to heaven. The establishment of his kingdom will be in in effect. That's the gospel message. And if you had never heard it before you walked in today, you just did. But I'm in the southeastern United States. In Canton, Holly Springs, Woodstock, Georgia. Most of us have heard this message. We've seen it presented way better than we just attempted to do. Lights and smoke and they brought a horse down the aisle maybe. Doesn't change the message. Doesn't change the truth. What are you going to do with Jesus? Where are you at? 
If you're here today and you say, I need to be saved. I need to acknowledge that Jesus did die on the cross for me. And I've heard that message and I might have even responded at some point, but I'm not living for him. There's things in my life that do not honor God. And I know it right now. I need to accept him into my life. I need him to be savior. We're going to give you a chance to do that. Maybe you say, I've accepted him. I got the savior thing down, but that whole Lord thing, leading and guiding and directing my life, making my life matter, giving me purpose, direction. I'm not doing that at all. I got saved and I'm just waiting on heaven. I'm just living my life for no eternal purpose. I'm not looking for God to direct anything. I'm just living. What are you going to do with Jesus? He came to be Lord. Some of you will walk out today still carrying your disappointment, your bitterness, your anger, your resentment because your plans haven't worked out like you thought. And you think it's okay to carry that with you. It was God's job to change your mind and he didn't do it. Let me just say to you, one day it will be too late. May not be today. For your sake, I hope it's not. One day it will be too late. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes if you would. Again, every person in the room is asking themselves the same question. What do I do with Jesus? Do I need to accept him as savior, forgiver of my sins? Do I need to move him just from savior into allowing him to be Lord of my life and leading and guiding and directing my steps so that my life matters for his kingdom? Or am I going to ignore him and hope that I'm right And that he's not. What are you going to do with Jesus? With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you say today, Jeremy, listen. I need a savior. I've got got unconfessed sin that is eating away at me. It doesn't honor God. I'm not talking about a little mistake. I'm talking about I'm outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? I'm going to pray with you. You can put it right back down. Thank you. Anybody else? You say, okay, that's not me. I've got the Savior thing. I've done that. I've made that decision. But I need Him to be Lord. I need direction. I need purpose. I need a hope for a future. If that's you, would you lift your hand? You can put them down. Lots of hands. us to pray. Everybody's head bowed and eyes closed still. People have made decisions for Christ, either as Savior or as Lord, moving towards Him, giving Him control of their lives. God, I thank You for this moment. It's holy. It's sacred. We have hope in You today because the tomb was empty. If the tomb wasn't empty, it was all a lie. Because you said there was nothing more powerful than you. If the tomb wasn't empty, we can just go home. But the tomb was empty. 
you did raise from the dead. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead can live in us. And so today, God, I pray for every person that lifted their hand and said, we need a savior. I need I need Christ in my life to forgive my sins. I need to be saved. I'm guilty. I've got a past. And right now I need him. I pray now for every single person that lifted their hands and said, I I need him to be Lord. I've got the savior thing. I'm, I'm living for him, but I'm not really living for him. I mean, I I got into this relationship thing. I responded to a prayer, maybe a moment like this, but my life has no clear purpose and direction. I'm not about anything but myself, and I want to be about his kingdom, for his glory, for his purposes. God, I'm praying for those folks right now, that they're, they're committing their lives to you. They're giving control to you. It's a hard thing to do. God, I'm praying for every person in this room that the plan for their lives, what they thought was going to happen, hasn't happened. And they're disappointed. They're frustrated. There's some unmet expectations about their lives and who you are and your goodness and how you operate. God, right now, would you just give them a supernatural sense of your presence? Would you just move into their hearts, move into their lives? Let them sense who you are and have peace today. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray.